Hey there, CPG founders! Are you tired of trying to figure out what's really driving consumers to choose and buy better-for-you food and beverage CPG products? If you answered yes and want to get into the minds and hearts of your customers, then we have something for you. You should check out our free ebook, Cracking the Code, where you can find six core insights that motivate consumers to buy products like yours. This is available for a limited time only, so be sure to get your copy now. Go to your browser and type in thevineyardbc.com slash freebook. That's thevineyardbc.com slash freebook. Ramstar Goes Healthy features founders and CEOs of healthy food and beverage CPG companies who share their biggest successes, hardest failures, strategic learnings, and tactical tips so you can learn from them and help you avoid mistakes and instead succeed in building your own healthy food and beverage brands. If you lead a vegan, plant-based, organic, all-natural, functional, and other healthy food and beverage CPG company, then this show is for you. Hosted by Leonard Grape founder and CEO of The Vineyard, the brand development company for the healthy food and beverage CPG industry. Hey everyone, it's Leonard here and joining me for today's Brand Start Goes Healthy podcast is Taylor Walker, co-founder and COO of Spritzel Cookie, a family baking company that makes better for you all natural cookie bites. Taylor, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm really happy to have you here. But before we get going, can you please tell us a brief background about yourself and what you do? Oh, sure. Um, so my mom and I are the owners of Spritzel Cookie Company. It's based on my great-grandmother's recipe, which is originally a Swedish almond uh, shortbread and traditionally a Christmas cookie. So we, we decided to take that recipe after eight years now. We're finally uh, hitting the big leagues and we just came out with our new product line, which is Spritzel cookie bites. So they're super fun, little bite-sized cookies, perfect for the on-the-go snack. Okay, let me bring you back down memory lane and ask this first official question that I ask everybody here sure. in the show. Yeah. How, how did your brand start? Eight years ago, what led you to becoming a co-founder of a Better For You CPG brand? Yeah, so my mom actually started the company a year before I joined her. Um, I was living in Atlanta working in IT sales, but we used to bake these cookies, she'd bake them growing up with her grandmother. I baked them growing up with my mom and my grandmother. Um, and it's traditionally a Swedish Christmas cookie. So you'll see it out of like the cookie press at um, the holiday time, which is where our little, uh, actually our little swirl uh, logo stuff comes from. We'll owe to that. But we would uh, give them to people for Christmas gifts and things like that. Teacher gifts, boss gifts, what have you. And um, some of her friends would start asking around September when <laughs> they were going to get their mm -hmm. Christmas cookies. Uh, so everybody liked them. And we were out. My brother was out. And my mom decided to kind of give it a go at the local farmer's market and see how it would go and would start testing um, flavors with friends and family at events. <clears throat> so she started doing two farmer's markets. She grew from her kitchen downstairs here um, and residential kitchen and went into a shared kitchen in Boston. And then she started getting into some local Whole Foods and some other uh, local like little gourmet shops. Um, so she decided it was great. I was a year into living in Atlanta. I didn't like it. I didn't like being in IT sales. It was not the vibe for me. So 
I called her crying one day and I was like, I can't take it anymore. Can I come home and, and work with you? And here we are eight years later. So we kept growing and testing things, seeing how our product would fit in the marketplace. Um, we just rebranded to our new cookie bites. We were a fresh bakery item up until this year, retailing and some, and some local retailers. And we had a few rotations in Publix um, with that, but we decided to really just go for center store and make it more snackable. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And it's proving to be a good strategy move. So we're doing really well. We're in some big retailers. Um, we're going into some big retailers. So it's super exciting. First of all, good for you for not sticking around into something that you really didn't like doing, huh? Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> I bet that was an easy decision for you to just move out yeah. and enjoy your mom. I mean, I was, oh, what, how old was I? I was 24 going on 25 at the time. Now I'm 33. Um, so, I mean, you might as well, if you're in your early twenties, you're still trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do. It's, I went to school for music theater. I always thought I'd be on Broadway or something like that. And I have some friends on Broadway, but, um, still don't have time for that right now. We'll see how we, how we do in the next few years. But, um, yeah, I mean, in your early twenties, you might as well, there's nothing you can lose. You can only gain from trying something. Yeah. I totally agree with that. When you made that call to your mom and decided that you'll join her in building Spritzel Cookie. Where was the company at at that time? And what was the role that you had to play to help her out? Oh, I'm still playing the roles. Um, luckily, we're, you know, we don't bake anymore. But um, what's now my office became my commercial kitchen. My dad's a contractor. So he built us out a commercial kitchen space. Um we had an eight-rack Hobart oven. We had our little formatted cookie machine. Um, previous to that, we were hand-scooping and hand-smashing all the cookies and trying to make them even. <laughs> it was really difficult. Um, we had some fun flavors. We have some that are still from that recipe line now, like our lemon or almond. Um, but really, we rebranded totally. Um, but butcher, baker, candlestick maker, hustling at the farmer's markets, doing in-store demos, um, doing sales calls, uh, managing everything like that. It was back then it was more baking every day. And, you know, we were starting to gain some traction in some retailers like Roach Brothers around here. And that's when we really were like, oh, we can't keep doing this ourselves anymore. Um, so that was kind of, you know, are we going to keep doing this? Are we going to keep trying the wholesale route? Do we want to go online? Um, we opted for wholesale. So here we are, <laughs> but it, you know, learning curve, I again, have a degree in music theater, so I can do music theory all day long, but business side was difficult for me. Sales and marketing are easy. I mm -hmm. think with that kind of background, um, but learning the ropes and, drinking from the fire hose, so to speak, and networking and talking with other founders um, in, in this space was really helpful. But it was a lot of learning. It still is a lot of learning every day. There's something new to learn. Okay. So from the time that your mom started it and then you joined her, as you mentioned, now you're eight years into the industry and that's a long time. Uh, especially it that, is, you yeah. know, I think various researchers would tell you there's around 70 to 90 percent of CPG startups that don't even make it to the past uh, three years. What have you seen so far as the hardest part in building a better for you CPG company? Um, you know, we didn't really start out with the better for you category. Um, we were a bakery item or we were selling gourmet, but when I would do in store demos, 
I, you know, I would always say, when's the last time you had a cookie with just five or just six, like clean ingredients? Cause we're sugar butter flour. We don't even cut our um, butter with palm oil or margarine or other things like some of our competitors do in this space. So people really liked that. And we decided to incorporate those kind of call outs when we were redoing our packaging. Um, we've had like three iterations of our brand. <laughs> it's crazy to look back and see all the progress we've made. Um, but we really decided to kind of put that spin on it and people really like it. And it truly is the same exact recipe my grandmother wrote on our index card. Um, and that's really hard to find, especially in the cookie category. Um, you know, we're now we're going up against like Nabisco, Lorna Dunes and, and Walker shortbread and things like that. And we're a little bit different in regards to that's more based on a, a Scottish shortbread. This is based on a Swedish. So we have egg in there, which makes it a little bit more buttery, not as dry or dense like a Scottish shortbread would be. Um, but people really are looking for that clean ingredient too. I'm definitely that grocery shopper. I pick up every single package and read the ingredients. Um, and there's people like me out there shopping that want to find something better for you that tastes good. That's not high calorie, high sugar. Um, so I think we're kind of fitting that little niche and um, the retailers are responding to that too. And they're seeing that within mm. the category. So I think we're hitting it at the right time right now with the better free really taking over in the total retail space. Yeah, I'd agree to that. Uh, <clears> and that's good to hear that, that you finding a niche after quite a number of iterations with your brand, you're seeing impact on, on that in terms of the traction of your sales and even with your operations with retail. But that's a very interesting note. You did three versions, three iterations of your brand already in the past eight years. Like, tell, yeah, me, tell us I more mean... about that. Uh, what, what, was the, what was the driving rationale behind each of that? And, driving, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, tell, tell us about that. I mean, it's kind of you live and you learn. When we first started... <laughs> It's so funny. We were looking back at the package came up on like a memory the other day. And I thought it was such a pivotal moment when we changed from original shortbread to almond shortbread because people were like, what's original? It was original to us because it was original family recipe. And that's just something like you're learning as you go along. Um, <clears throat> but my mom's friend actually is, uh, they always say don't work with friends or family. Her good friend from growing up is a graphic designer. So she's literally done every single step along the way with us. And we've done some market feedback research. Um, we had some kids from, I believe, Northeastern food marketing class um, that we went in and spoke at. And they're like, you should do a package with each individual color because we didn't have color variation. It was all the same branding and just the name was different. So it was finding those little steps along the way to make your brand one more recognizable to an instant sell. We even added now, in this version ourselves, the icons all over the bag, because sometimes you really have to spell it out for the consumer of what it is. You get eight seconds with somebody's eyeballs, and that's it. Um, and that's kind of just walking around to grocery store shopping. I take way too long to grocery shop because I'm looking at other people's packaging and seeing, you know, how we can really just pull it all in. Um, and it's always, I guess, if you get this far into the business, uh, learning. I mean, you're not going to know exactly what to do when you start. You'll have an idea and you'll think it's great at the time, but then you make those strides forward. Um, even just switching from our box cookies to these pouches, it's, you put them side by side and it's like, wow, uh, 
I was stuck on that for so long. I was like, nope, mm-hmm. I'm not changing it. And then you make that change and you see the reaction from the consumer. And I think a lot of the other founders who watch this or thinking about it will kind of understand that as well. <laughs> it's not easy. You're not going to know everything and you can't know everything. Um, so you just kind of have to look to other people and, and ask around and do some research, ask your customers what they'd like to see and then put it into what you think is going to be your best packaging. And I'm sure there's changes I can make on this packaging too. Yeah. And, and these small pivots um, or, or changes with your overall brand, have you seen some impact on how the business was also going through in terms of growth in each time that you did those rebranding efforts, Taylor? Yeah. Um, so for instance, we decided to, as of this year, pivot away from being a fresh bakery item. When we started, that's where people were like, oh, your product is fresh bakery. It's not a center store. So we were just listening to that in our heads. But we were coming up against buyers uh, at the store wanting private label, which is something where it would be a store brand and it wouldn't be our brand. So at that point, it's like, what's the point? There, We were hitting that roadblock. And it's either, okay, you hit that roadblock and that's it, or you pivot to another category. Sometimes brands don't have that option, which is unfortunate. Um, with our product, you know, we decided now to really put the focus on that, make it more snackable. And we noticed the, the void in the market within the center store category with our kind of product. Um, I mean, there's gluten-free, there's stuff like that. We're not gluten-free, we're not vegan. We're just a better for you, traditional, yummy cookie. Um, but people are looking for that more snackable. And I think post-COVID, we also came up against that. I mean, buyers completely halted any intake. We had our, our launch in Publix was supposed to be in 2020. They do it rotationally, so you're not an everyday item in bakery either. And that's another issue we're coming up against. It was really hard to grow and forecast and, and see the future in that direction. Um, so... All of those kind of things really made us push for this version of ourselves. Um, And I think, you know, we're fortunate, again, to be able to do that. There's categories where brands can't do that. And it's kind of yes or no, or you have to wait for a buyer change or really sell them on the data. Um, So, I I mean, it's a challenge, but we decided that would be our best route Um, and there's plenty of times I'm sure everybody else can agree or you want to throw in the towel. It just is like, Oh, this is so frustrating. Like you have a good day. And then the next day is completely a tanker or you have something that goes wrong and you have to try and pivot your mindset and your day (laughs) to keep Mm -hmm. going on the, on the direction that you want to go. Um, and that's really, and I, again, my brain, I'm so sorry if I'm rambling on. So cut me off with another question. No, 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 it's interesting. (laughs) And I want to, I want to like, piggyback on how interesting it was for me and how important I think it is in terms of relating your rebranding journey. We, we, in our <clears> company, <throat> The Vineyard, we've been doing so many work to try and understand how Better For You CPG brands can really leverage brand development, can really position themselves better into the consumers. And how you describe mm-hmm. it made me remember the 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 framework that we developed which is what we call the four quadrants of brand development for better for you cpg mm-hmm. it basically goes with four quadrants so at the top left most would be the, which would be the anchor would be your consumer and then the second one would be your product positioning and those two would drive your character the personality of your brand how you want 
the messaging should be and then you'll have the identity and it was interesting for me because in every aspect of your rebranding you always go back to to that first anchor of of the quadrants which are which would be your consumer and then your consumer would dictate okay how are you now positioning yourself in the market from just a fresh bakery uh, products to becoming an original shortbread to becoming an almond uh, and adding that description and everything goes to, to really make it better for for consumers to understand uh, am i getting that correctly that was also more or less the, the <coughs> synopsis of that entire rebranding journey taylor yeah I mean, it, it really does come down to the consumer at the end of the day. You can have a great product, but if the consumer doesn't find it or like it, it's not going to go off shelf and then you're going to get kicked out of the store. So, yeah, I mean, the consumer drives the market um, and that's definitely uh, they like the family story aspect, too. I think we always mm-hmm. make sure to keep that um, relevant to us. We have our faces on the bag, which is kind of weird to see when you're grocery shopping in the store. Um but people really like to put that face to a name and they like to see the family recipe. They mm-hmm. like to see the clean label and they like the fact that we have some really fun flavors that they're not going to find from other brands. And that's why um, we kind of centered ourselves in that and we stick to it and we're not pivoting from it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of our overall encompassing moment. Yeah. In terms of your journey, so you mentioned you started the brand, really your mom, of doing doing all the the products in, in your home kitchen, and then you mm-hmm. moved to a commercial kitchen, and then you expanded to be able to accommodate wholesale demand. Can you tell us a little bit sure. more about that? Like, how, how was the transition like? What were some of the deciding <laughs> points? Like, what made you bring it out from the home kitchen? What did you have to prepare uh, for, for you to be able to transition from that, from one level to another, Taylor. Hey there, we're pausing a bit for a quick break. Most unsuccessful CPG brands don't have product problems. They have messaging and marketing problems. Your product quality is great, but have consumers learned enough about it? Your product tastes delicious, but are you driving product trials so they can taste it? Your product is healthy and functional, but have you built enough awareness about its benefits? If you feel you have a great product, but your sales say otherwise, then you need to move from unclear to powerful messaging, from weak to effective marketing. This is where we can help you through our four quadrants of CPG brand development. If you need some support, don't hesitate to reach out. Just head on to www.thevineyardbc.com. That's www.thevineyardbc.com. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, uh, I wish my mom was on this. She probably could answer you better. I was not here for the home kitchen uh, version of ourselves, but she was like, oh, there's bakery racks everywhere. Um, I mean, you can only do so much in two little ovens. And she was starting to get into more farmer's markets. And then she wanted to pursue some wholesale opportunities a little bit more. So she found... Um, the Commonwealth Kitchen, which is in Boston, and it's a great startup, um, grow and go, or they have a co-packer side as well. We don't use them for co-packing, but they're, it's a great point for people to start um, to kind of find that journey into the next step. Um, but we were quickly outgrowing that. We only would have like one or two days a week to go in and bake, and it really wasn't sustainable for us in our growth um, because we were kind of being really aggressive with farmers markets, events, 
and then also wholesale. And you could only do so much wholesale if you're bake strictly baking for farmers markets. Um, so luckily, my dad found this little gem of a location, and it's ten minutes door to door for me, which is great versus an hour into Boston and morning traffic. Um, and we built our kitchen, and even then, you know, we were in there maybe three or four years and doing all the events and getting into more stores and, and really gaining some traction. And it was just 24 seven in there. Uh, it was never ending and it was just not sustainable for our energy or our mental capacity or our growth strategy. Um, so we had interest come from TJ Maxx and then we had interest come from Roach brothers and expanding. So we really decided, you know, we can do a pallet in a week. If we tried, we decided to kind of seek out a co-manufacturer because we didn't want to build out a bigger facility. We didn't want to deal with the manufacturing side. Some brands want to go that route and keep it all in-house, but we found a great manufacturing partner who can handle our product, does it really well. Um, and then, you know, that opens up the door for our volume capacity. Um, so it's just kind of finding the strategy of how you want to grow your business um, and really just putting your head down, which is hard for me. I have ADHD if you can't tell in these conversations. Um, so sometimes it's hard for me to stay focused, but you have to stay focused. Um, and that's really the route we decided to go with. And it's been proving to be a, a good strategy. And even then we've grown in iterations of ourselves, mm -hmm. um, but at least we had the freedom to do that. I was just pivoting our packaging at that point um, versus finding another route to go so that's yeah. really kind of our our journey thank you for sharing that i, I also want to touch a little bit on on the marketing front uh, because you're a very lean team um, but you're you're growing at the pace that you want your brand to grow what what have you done on the marketing <clears throat> front taylor that has helped you generate awareness and even sales uh marketing for me is one of the things I love to do. Um, that's my favorite thing. That's where I love to put my time and energy into. I'm very passionate about brand strategy and brand awareness because um, you're not going to move on shelf if you don't have that brand awareness. Um, unfortunately, right now, Meta has uh, allowed my um, business account to be hacked. So I'm still trying to deal with that. So we can't do any social media support in terms of marketing spend for Instagram, Facebook right now. Um, so Meta, if you're watching this, help us. Um, TikTok, I've been trying to do that a little bit more. Uh, we've had people picking us up on shelf and sharing it on their stuff, tagging us on Instagram, like doing reels or, or product reviews on us. Um, and I think our packaging is just really fun. We made sure to um, incorporate a little QR code so our customers can find us. Um, see our social, see our website, um, building in some SEO strategy. We're about to do a rehaul on our website. So I'm excited to kind of kick that into gear. Um, and then I'm uh, going to be bringing in a marketing intern. So I'm excited for that. We're going to have an intern for fall to do social strategy because all the Gen Z's know how to do all the TikTok and the Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot better than I do. Um, but marketing is really important to me and branding and just being cohesive in your strategy and marketing, um, making sure your branding and your marketing and, you know, all your sales kind of align and, and you're selling into the right kind of stores as well. 
um, and tar and where your target consumer shops. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. But Costco has been our latest launch. We just were, I think, on week three. We just did two demos. I flew down to Atlanta last week. To, I stayed with my friends, um, saw my old apartment, which is crazy to see. <laughs> and it was just so weird driving around there. And then, too, like being in Costco and seeing it on shelf. That was like, wow, um, for me. So um, it was exciting. Yeah, sounds sounds like a lot of things going on for you. And I also love how you weave <clears throat> through the concepts of branding and marketing and how those two are actually intertwined and how that also even applies in terms of how you choose the right retailers, choose the right channels and where you want to go. Um, so that's that sounds exciting. So congratulations, um, Taylor. Thank you. I know running a CPG company, um, particularly within <clears throat> the Better For You industry, is, is really tough. You know, there, there are so many challenges that can come along and you've touched on some of these. But I'd like to ask this sort of hypothetical question, but really just to try to zero you in on, on a focal point of where you're at right now. If you'll be given a magic wand and help you solve your brand challenges, what's one thing that you'd like to be resolved and why? Um, we're kind of moving in this direction, but being able to build the team out and take some things off my plate that kind of distract me on the day to day um, from things that need to be done or things that I want to do over the things I have to do. Um, so that's kind of where I think would be great. And also, you know, we're 100% self-funded, zero debt company which is great for us. Um, we're not reliant on bringing in VCs or fundraising right now. But with that being said, it's harder for us to build a team out because we're staying thinner. Um, but we're going to be bringing in a fractional CEO. We're starting to work with some people um, to kind of help guide us and make sure we're on the right direction. Um, but yeah, the day-to-day the -day stuff is very daunting. Um, we're getting into some big retailers right now and of course i have all of their paperwork all at once so it's hard for me to remember which retailer needs what and i need my lists and somebody to ring me in i think would be great <laughs> yeah yeah that's definitely something that uh, i can also share you know after, after this recording but i totally agree with you it's important to build a team on certain stages. And I want to emphasize what you said that, you know, there's a difference of doing just doing things rather than being able to do the things that you really need, uh, particularly at, at your level. So I'll be interested to see also how this is going to pan out for you. But building a team to really Thank support <laughs> a lot of the operational requirements, especially on the day-to-day, -day, right? Um, because when you're doing yeah. operations, there are so many things uh, that are coming along that you need to be able to be yeah. on top of. Yeah, um, coordinating freight or making sure the BOL is correct or, you know, all the little mundane things that people don't think about. And they're like, oh, selling cookies, that must be fun. I'm like, yeah, it can be. Um, other days, it's like, oh, God, what is it, 3.30 so I can go to the gym yet? And just that's become my, my steam burner is going to the gym after work, so... Yeah. Was this the first time that you've actually thought about really building a team, you know, hiring a fractional CEO or have you thought about it in the past? Oh, I've thought about it in the past, but I don't know. We weren't ready for that. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. And it's just, 
you got to do what makes sense for you at the time. And I can't speak for every brand because every brand has a different thing. Some people would rather spend the money to push, you know, some things off their plate or hire people. For us, it was making sure we were very cohesive internally. Um, And sometimes the mother daughter relationship comes into play uh, for us. So um, even with my mom and I, I was finding our areas that we felt comfortable in. She's more on the financial side and the back end. I'm more the front and the face of the company. Um, and I deal with like sales and the marketing and, um, you know, our relationships with our brokers and our co-packer and the day-to-day kind of operational stuff. And then she handles kind of the back end financial sourcing, um, people. So we found what works for us already. And I think Mm -hmm. you have to know that before you bring somebody else in, um, because then you're adding another person into the pot and you need to know what there's you know, going to be taking over for you or where they're going to be guiding you. Um, I'm excited just to even get an intern in the fall. I've been dying to do that for like three years. And I think that'll be a great move. One for an intern to come in at a pivotal point in the company um, and they'll be seeing things and they'll, I'll be giving them responsibilities um, that they don't sometimes get at bigger brands um, because, you know, we have the capacity for them to be able to learn and mm-hmm. I'm bringing them in, trusting that they already kind of know some of these social media strategies because they're on their phones all day. I mean, I am too, but they they do more than <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're targeting the Gen Z's. I think that's going to be a good move. Uh, okay, Taylor. So I, I want to do a quick recap of some of the highlights that I've sure. gotten from our conversation. And then I'd ask the <clears> final <throat> question. And then we'll go to the last segment of the of the show. Some some sure. core items that I got from you. I think first off, if you had you had a very good premise of why you started um joining your mom. And it's really, you know, having that courage to leave or quit something uh, or a job that you don't like doing anyway. And you emphasize also the fact that you have to take some some portions of your life, especially so if you're within your early 20s, to really try to explore, get to know yourself better, take those risks and, and you know, just, just figure out what you can do best and what could make you happy, right? But I think in terms of your journey, you've emphasize also the importance of constant learning as with other many other founders. But you particularly mentioned the importance of, you know, networking, particularly with other um, leaders in the industry. And just accept the fact that, you know, you keep your head down, you keep on learning, you accept the mistakes that you'll have in the journey, and then just try to get better day in and day out. We also mm-hmm. emphasize the importance of, of branding. In your particular case, you did three rebranding efforts, but along the way, it seemed to me that there were really like, you know, um, small pivots, mini changes leading to, you know, um, overarching rebranding efforts. But I, I captured three main focus on why you were doing it. Uh, every single time, it's number one, to make it more recognizable. So really reinforcing the brand identity that you have for your product. Second is make it easy for consumers to understand. You had that very little detail, seemingly little detail of, you know, changing it from original into something that could be more specific because the word original for you was really more internal and for for the heritage of the family, right? But you have Mm -hmm. eight seconds, I'd say seven seconds to really capture the attention of the customers uh, along the aisle. So I think that's an important item. And then lastly, obviously, you wanted to make it easy for for consumers to buy it, right? So Mm rebranding should always be triggered by uh, consumer feedback. So everything goes back to that. Whatever you do in your brand, uh, that's what I got. And I am happy to hear that. It's really, you know, 
focusing on how it could make it more relatable and better for for the consumers in terms of how you transition from going from one stage specifically from your home kitchen to a commercial kitchen to being able to accommodate more demand it's really understanding your operational capacity but it must be driven by your growth strategy and then be wary of your own internal capacity but i think ultimately it has to be guided by the consumer demand if there's a demand for you Correct. to you know increase your production velocity increase your production capabilities that's really it on the marketing front I- i'd probably just highlight what you mentioned in terms of the importance of driving brand awareness to drive sales on the shelves because getting into retail getting your product out there is one thing but how you make people learn about your product is the next big thing that you need to be able to do and then finally you have to be able to understand what works for you within your organization whether you're like taylor and your mom who's a two person um, company or you're a big company but i think the the important aspect of what you said there is really find what works for you and then be able to assess when is the right time to bring another person or to build a team and at the end of it all it has to be something that's again driven by what you want to happen for for your brand is that a fair recollection more or less of uh, some of the things that yeah, you've shared that, uh, in this conversation. That was, that was a great summary. Um, much better than I could put together right now. <laughs> okay. Now I'd like to ask the final question. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, there are some moments where you just want to throw in the towel. And for obvious reasons, right? Becoming an entrepreneur, becoming a business owner has its ups and downs. It can be very rewarding, but it can also be very, very difficult. So I want to ask this as my last question before we go to the final segment. What do you think has been the toughest moment or what do you remember is that one moment where you actually almost threw in the towel uh, as a CPG founder? I mean, there's never been one specific thing I would say is sometimes there's a lot of self-sacrifice that you'll do um, to build a company versus going in punching the clock nine to five you'll see your friends get married or you know have more time to do things that you're not always going to have the time to do and I think that was the hardest for me I sacrificed a lot of my time in my 20s and I'm in my 30s now and um, looking back they were all the right moments for me but sometimes that was really hard emotionally Um, and sometimes you have to just put your emotions aside if you want to be successful um, which is not always easy because there's days where you're going to cry. Hell, I cried like two weeks ago when I was gotten on shelf at Costco. I was just having a day and it's okay to have a day. Um, but don't give up. If this is something that you really want, do not give up. Keep going. Say, okay, today's stuck. Tomorrow's going to be better. Get up with that mindset. Um, and I think you need to find things that bring you joy. Um, find things that you like to do, give yourself some time. It's not always work, work, work. And that was a real struggle for me because I'm super OCD about that. I just want to complete the task because if I don't, I'll forget to to finish it. And that's my brain, how that works. Um, But I'm finding new hobbies. I'm getting out. I'm meeting new people. Get out and network with other people because you're going to learn and you can bounce ideas off of people too. And it's not always, you're not going to always have the right solution for yourself. You may think you do, but you don't. So ask somebody else. It's okay to do that. You're not going to be seen as weaker. People are probably going to respect you more if you ask a question versus trying to assert yourself and saying, no, this is it. Um, So that's what I would say. Um, 
it's not easy though. I mean, it's really not. Um, so you just have to have really thick skin in order to do this job. Yeah, 100%. And I appreciate you being open and sharing that, Taylor. And I think that's a powerful way to, to end the conversation. But right now, I'd like us to go to the final segment of the show, which I call the finish line. So it's basically the lightning round. Where I have five questions that I want you to answer as concise as possible this time. Uh, are you game? Yeah. First off, characteristic that an entrepreneur must have to succeed? Uh, characteristic, um, tough skin and not a big ego. Okay. Second, any book or podcast that you want to recommend for entrepreneurs to read or listen to? Oh, no, this is going to sound bad. I don't really read a lot. I just don't have the time. Um, podcasts. I was on Alex Bayer's show, which was fun. Um, and I like just kind of hearing other brand strategy things. So I think that'd be a great one to check out. Um, but I'm sure there's a million great podcasts. I don't unfortunately have the time to listen to them always either. So, Yeah, that's fair. Um, the third one would be, what is the one thing that you fear the most as a founder? Um, failure, but sometimes it's okay to fail. And then you just take that failure and use it to drive your next move. Yeah, I love that. The next one would be, if you're not an entrepreneur now, what do you think would you be instead? Hmm. Probably like a marketing strategist somewhere or maybe, you know, another C-level in another company if we're going to just go big. <laughs> yeah, go big or go home, right? And finally, Taylor, I want you to complete this sentence. Success is? Never giving up. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much, Taylor, for your time. This has been a lovely conversation and I appreciate you yeah, being so you. kind and open, you know, in sharing your story and insights. But before I let you go, can you please tell us where is the best place for people to learn about you and Spritzel Cookies? Uh, yeah, so spritzel.com, S-P-R-I-T-Z-A-L.com. Um, and we have links to everything um, or find us on Instagram, TikTok, all the socials. And if you live in the Southeast region of Costco right now, we're in there for the next 12 weeks and we've got some other big retailers coming along soon. So I always post once we're about to hit the go button. So follow us on socials and you'll see the next move. Yeah. Great. We'll make sure to link some of those um, information in our show notes. And once again, Taylor, thanks for being here and may God bless you. Hey there, CPG founders. Are you tired of trying to figure out what's really driving consumers to choose and buy better-for-you food and beverage CPG products? If you answered yes and want to get into the minds and hearts of your customers, then we have something for you. You should check out our free ebook, Cracking the Code, where you can find six core insights that motivate consumers to buy products like yours. This is available for a limited time only, so be sure to get your copy now. Go to your browser and type in thevineyardbc.com/freebook. That's thevineyardbc.com/freebook.